You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us here at Grab Them by the Pod on this Memorial Day edition. I'm your host, Kevin, along with Jesse and Memorial Day originally known as Decoration Day, is in honor of those who died serving our country and standing up for what is best about the United States of America. I didn't know that Decoration Day. Where where did that come from? Well, that comes from the post-Civil War era. As you know, it was a very deadly war. All sides were American. And and so it was the original celebration was to honor those who died in the Civil War by decorating their grave sites uh, with flags and such. And it didn't become known officially as Memorial Day until a federal law was passed in 1967. Of course, after World War II, it really kind of caught on as Memorial Day as opposed to Decoration Day. But it wasn't until that 1967 federal law was passed that we get the formalization of the name Memorial Day. And now that you're talking about Memorial Day, I want to give Ivanka Trump a pass. It was actually just before he came on here reading an article where people are giving her crap because her Twitter account was showing something to do how to make – iced tea champagne popsicles for memorial day and people were giving her crap about it. you know it's beats memorial day but you know for a lot of people in america it is the unofficial beginning of summer too so i'm i'm willing to give her a, a break on that at least sure as long as they take a minute and reflect on what the real meaning of the day is oh the president did he tweeted out some memorial day and and lots more which we'll get to in just a sec but i want to start out uh, just briefly, from, from a personal standpoint, uh, talking about uh, former Senator Jim Bunning, who actually passed away Friday afternoon or Friday evening. Uh, he was actually a Baseball Hall of Famer. He uh, threw a no-hitter in both the American League and the uh, National League. I think the National League one was actually a perfect game. Uh, and I actually worked with him on the Senate Finance Committee. Uh, our politics were very different from each other. Uh, we we didn't agree on a lot of things, and quite honestly, he was kind of a pain in the ass, I'll say that. And I think even the people who are close to him would say that as well. But the reason I bring that up is because, one, I worked with him. Two, his niece is actually my – I would say my mentor. Uh, helped me become the person I am today. And she was actually – Sue was actually in D.C. before he was, so he followed her, she would always say, uh, not the reverse. But he was a former senator, and I do love baseball, so I figured I'd uh, give Jim Bunning a shout-out and, uh, and re- remember him a little bit. Well, he was a nine-time All-Star, winning 224 games and had 2,855 strikeouts in his career. And according to Sports Illustrated, he was an economics major in college, and he negotiated his own contracts, which perhaps is what led him down the road towards politics. Oddly enough, he was a union activist for the Major League Baseball Players Association in his day as a, a player rep for his union, and he turned around and became a fairly conservative Republican senator. Time Magazine branded him one of the five worst senators back in 2006. Uh, He was known for some crazy outbursts like the one in 2009 where he suggested that uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg would be dead within nine months. Uh, He also called one of his former opponents a lookalike for Saddam Hussein's son. So (laughs) not always the easiest to get along with, but certainly made his mark in in two major fields. Yeah, he he often got in fights with my boss, who was the uh, staff director uh, of the Senate Finance Committee back in the day. And, you know, behind closed doors, he'll say he claims that he made Rand Paul because by retiring, he let Rand Paul run for Senate and win. So, uh, so, you know, love him or hate him. Goodbye to Senator Jim Bunning. 
so to the, to the stuff of the day that I really love talking about, uh, Donald Trump, as we all know, was on a foreign trip uh, for the last week or so. And while he was on that trip, his Twitter was actually a little more I want to say reserved. He had a couple of tweets here or there, but it wasn't anything crazy. Uh, then come Sunday morning, oh my God, the guy lost his mind. So I'm going to go through some of these tweets really quickly. First of all, uh, early on in the morning, he tweets, you know, just arrived in Italy, uh, which was weird because he had actually left Italy the day before, so that was eventually deleted. Then he started tweeting about uh, the Republican Montana election, uh, how they won. He goes, you know, big win for Montana Republicans, we left that there. Uh, five minutes later, so he deleted that and reposted it without the we. Uh, then I guess he remembered that he wasn't landing in Italy. He was actually coming back from Europe and tweeted that, you know, just returned from Europe. He got that right. Uh, and then some of the really insane stuff happened. Uh, in my opinion, many of the leaks coming out of the White House are fabricated lies made up by the fake news media. Whenever you see the words uh, sources say in fake news media and they don't mention names, it's very possible that those sources don't exist. By the way, he said exist. Uh, he spelt it E-X-S-I-S-T, um, are made up by the fake news writers. Fake news is the enemy. He eventually uh, retweeted that with it spelled correctly. But what's dangerous about that right there, again, he's not saying uh, when you see sources say it's fake. He say it may it may be fake. And that leads it open to say, I, I didn't say it was fake. I said it might be. I'm, it's what he always does. He asks questions, quote, unquote. You know, he doesn't outright uh, uh, accuse. And that's dangerous because it's open to interpretation by some crazies, I think. Well, you see, it's self-consolation. The more he says it, the more he tells himself and his supporters that, you know, it's the fake news that is uh, the problem. That's the, the dangerous thing. You know, in his mind, everything he's done is OK. You know, he, he's feeling bad for himself, pitying himself and consoling himself that it's just the fake media that's out to get him. Nothing he has done is wrong instead of looking at the facts. To me, the more dangerous, the more scary thing are fact deniers. That's what scares me yeah. more than fake news. Yeah, and what do you want him to say? Like, you know, uh, President Trump's secretary leaked this information to us. Here's what she said. Uh, when they say sources to say, it's because if you say who those sources are right, outright, they're not going to give you any information. Or they're not going to give you anything to begin with because people need the anonymity to be able to feel safe to give them that information. I just It's unbelievable sometimes. And you know what? It was it, like you said, it was so quiet for those 10 days that he was out of the country. You know, we oh, it was like a glimmer of hope that things could be like they used to be. You know, I guess all they need to do is just give him something to do. He needs busy work. The man needs busy work. Send him on a trip somewhere. Make him deal with some other foreign heads of state. He's too busy to tweet. Be careful what you wish for. That could just become an even bigger thing right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. So then he started tweeting about the uh, again about the Mon uh, the Montana win uh, in the congressional race in in uh, Montana. And, you know, this is kind of old news by now, but this Montana Republican, uh, he was then House candidate, and he since won, uh, Greg uh, Gianfort, he actually body slammed reporter Ben Jacobs last week. It's crazy. And he ended up winning the seat because even though that happened like a day before, so three quarters of the vote was already in there. And, and let's not kid ourselves, this was a seat the Republicans should have won, but much like a lot of these uh, recent elections, they're closer than they should be. So the fact that Trump is touting this win, they were always supposed to win this, but it's it's the fact that it's closer. He should be worried about that there are like 50 other seats that are much, much closer than these, closer than the John Ossoff race even. So uh, if the ones that should be winning are getting close, the ones that are up in the air and toss-ups you should be afraid. Well, I think the bigger area of concern, Jesse, is that it just shows that there continues to be a lack of civility in our society, in our politics. You know, it's, it's all the way up to the Capitol now. You know, this guy's now going to Congress, taking a seat 
in the House of Representatives with a misdemeanor charge of having assaulted a reporter because the reporter did what? Said something he didn't like, was going to report on something that he didn't like. And, you know, I used to say that, well, you know, yes, we have some instability, we have some issues, but we're not as bad as we were in the antebellum years leading up to the Civil War where we had uh, members of Congress fighting on the floor of the House or the floor of the Senate. Well, hey, maybe now we're starting to get back to that and something (laughs) needs to be done. You know, I used to work for Montana Senator Max Baucus, who later became the uh, Chinese ambassador under Obama uh, towards the end there. But uh, I can't imagine any of the people I used to work with from Montana thinking this was okay. You know, people seem to think, well, maybe it's just how politics is done in Montana. And they do, I guess, uh, lean right a little bit, but they had Democratic senators from there. And I knew some wacky people who worked in that office, but nobody wacky enough to start attacking reporters. I actually really like their press secretary, so uh, they, maybe they should hire uh, hire her. I don't know. So, you know, we thought we were done. That was a Sunday. And then this morning, a few other things popped up. I'll just go over very briefly. Again, he says we have to spend more money on uh, health care. Obamacare is dead. Republicans couldn't do much better, which is ridiculous because his budget – Cut some things like Medicaid. So he's, he's saying we want to spend more money on health care and then having a budget that cuts things. And he also says you know, tax reform, massive tax cuts are, are underway. The process is moving along well. No, it's not. It's moving slow. Uh, we haven't even seen the real plan. We saw the bullet point that he put out what, a month ago or so. And, and then finally, again, with the fake news, he says you know, the fake news – Works hard to disparage me and and demean my social uh, by use of social media because they want Amer- they don't want America to hear the real story. So you know he's not tweeting crazy things. It's the fake news media who's telling people that he's tweeting crazy things. Well, and it's the he said she said game, right? If he throws it out there, then there's always the plausibility, the the deniability, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, his tweet as as Sean Spicer always says, the president's tweets speak for themselves. They're insane most of the time. Uh, it's not the fake news media reporting that it's crazy. Take it for what it's worth. They're nuts. Well, maybe that's code. You know, coming from Spicy, you know, he had a pretty rough freak. We'll talk about that later. But, you know, maybe he's been trying to clue us in all the, all along and we just haven't been paying attention. He's been like, you know, blink, blink twice if you're if you need help. He's been trying to give us little uh, little undercover uh, stories and little uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. So uh, we will I'm sure he'll be tweeting before we even know it. So we'll go back there and see uh, what he has to say on Twitter in the coming days and weeks and months and all that fun stuff. So it seems like a lifetime ago, what was it, like a month, month and a half ago that we were talking about health care reform again. The House finally got rid of a really crappy version, voted it out of the House to the Senate. Makes no sense why they did it because the previous version of it, the CBO scored that 24 million people were going to be without health care uh, in a decade. So they added a couple things, took a couple things out, and then did it again without knowing any better. They finally released the score from the Congressional Budget Office, and it says that they did better on this one. Only 23 million people are going to be losing their health care in 10 years. Um, that's a win, right? Right? Success. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. 23 million as opposed to 24. One million more people will have health insurance or something like that. <laughs> I mean, they're building, like, oh, no, we're saving $119 billion. Yeah, it's really easy to save money when these people aren't going to have health care. Uh, it's it's so interesting. And see how I've changed, Kevin, over the last decade or so. Because I'm reading articles of people saying, you know, healthcare isn't a human right. You know, if they want healthcare, get a better job, blah, blah. Those are things I may have said in college. 
Um, you know, I've since changed my tune on a lot of those things. Um, you know, everybody I think deserves some kind of uh, some kind of healthcare. Doesn't I don't know how it can you know the variations of it are, but you can't just take people take this away from people, tell them that they're getting a better system and hope they believe you. Uh, this is going to eventually bite them in the butt if it's not in 2020, 2024, 2022. One of these years, eventually, people are going to realize, especially the people who are in Trump country, are going to realize they're not better off than they are right now. Well, and some of those people, as you said, are, are they stand to lose the most out of all of this, right? Many uh, Trump areas of this country that went for Donald Trump in the election stand to lose the most. You know, people who are underserved already, who maybe voted as value voters or things like that, now they stand to lose some of the benefits that keep them going. And, you know, some of the light bulbs are starting to go off saying, wait a minute, I didn't realize this was going to happen. If you're old and poor, you're pretty much screwed. Uh, under the current plan, if you're 64 years old and not earning very much money, say you earn like $26,000, $27,000, you have to pay almost 850% more for a plan compared to the ACA. And again, that's – it's not like 100% more, 200% more. It's 850% more is a possibility. And again, that's – these people are, are screwed. I mean there's no other way of putting it. They are screwed if uh, they're in the situation. Again, I think we – have the luxury of having good jobs and being able to afford good health care, but not everybody has that luxury, and these are the people who I don't know what they're going to do if this actually goes through. Well, that's the, just the point, if it actually goes through. So all hope is not lost because <laughs> the good news is that, as we mentioned before, the Senate is not going to go with this bill. They're going to start over with their own rendition and you know, just a little point of political politics 101 here of how laws are made the identical bill has to pass both houses before going to the president to be signed into law. And there stands to be little chance that the identical bill is going to pass the Senate that passed the House and vice versa. So this is going to be tied up for some time before we ever think about it being signed into law. And the interesting part will be once the Senate passes whatever they pass, it may not be a good bill, but it'll be better than this version. Will the Freedom Caucus just rubber stamp it and sign off and get it passed or they cause a big ruckus again and then cause us to go into free fall all over again we're gonna have to wait and see but it's it's gonna be a mess and the bigger question is even if a different version passes are the people who voted for this bill in the house going to be tied to this people are going to see what this bill actually would do uh, come 2018 they actually have to face that at the at the voting booth or will they just say you know what we knew it was never going to pass so don't don't blame us it's not our fault Remains to be seen, but, you know, either way, nothing looks good. Nothing looks good. No. To top that off, we also got some more information on the Trump budget this week. Uh, a month or two ago, we got a little information of it coming. I think they were calling it the skinny budget. It's when we saw a lot of programs like Meals on Wheels are possibly going uh, to be cut, a lot of things like that. And again, it's just as bad now as it looked like back then. I mean, Medicaid and poverty assistance programs are... Are screwed. The budget is going to propose uh, to cut Medicaid funding by more than $600 billion over the course of a decade. Uh, and by the way, that's apparently separate but overlapping. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work uh, with $800 billion going to be cut from the American Health Care Act. Uh, there's going to be $272 billion cut from the welfare system, food stamp program cut by $190 billion over a decade, temporary assistance for needy families. Uh, it, it, it's over and over and over. The people who need the most help are getting screwed the hardest, and and Budget Director uh, Mick Mulvaney will, will tell you, no, you're insane. This is great for poor people. This is great for the underprivileged. Listen, I'm not naive enough to think that the welfare system in America doesn't need reforms. It does. There are people who abuse it. 
but we can't throw the entirety away because there are some people who abuse the system. We need to look for ways that we can fix it. And certainly cutting $272 billion is not going to fix it. It's only going to decimate it for the people who do need it and who do use it appropriately. This is the story of the Trump uh, – I think the Trump administration, probably the Trump campaign as well, is that most of these things – you know, they have some good parts that have to be reformed, you said. But they don't want to reform. They want to throw it all out, start brand fresh, because then you can say, you know, it's the Trump brand. This isn't, this isn't Obamacare tweaked by Trump. This is Trump care. It, it's, it's a bad way to face things because when, when you get rid of the stuff that works and you replace it with things that don't work just for the sake of saying that it's yours and you own it, it's not – you're not trying to help the people who need the help. You're trying to help yourself and try to leave your own lasting legacy. And honestly, for a president, I know they're obsessed with their legacy, but legacy should be less important than – I mean your legacy should be helping people. And uh, if that means taking uh, President Obama's plan and making it better, well, then that's what you should be doing. Legacies are built in the future. You know, it's the way that people are going to look back on what you did. And if what you did did not have a positive effect, your legacy is going to be terrible. They're also screwing over indebted government workers. I mean, they're going to be cutting $27 billion. Over, everything's over a decade. Uh, they're going to, by getting rid of student loan programs for government workers or limiting subsidized student loans, uh, it's going to save another $39 billion. But the things they are living in is, again, I think this is actually good, but it's Ivanka's pet plan is paid family leave uh, for parents, for adopted parents. It doesn't matter where the kid comes from, which you know, I think that's great. Um, I'm not, you're, you're a parent, I'm not, but I'm sure you can definitely back a subsidized leave for things like that, right? This absolutely is great. This is the best thing in the budget as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, people criticize us sometimes and say that, you know, we're, we're too biased and we bash Donald Trump, you know, when you can ever give him some credit. Well, I'll give him credit for this. This is a great idea. And lo and behold, it's a plan <laughs> that actually helps people. They should take a cue from this. More programs like this should be in the budget. Yeah, and this helps people. It doesn't matter what their income is, whether they're rich, poor, and in between. If you have kids and you need time off, boom, it helps you out. Uh, they're also looking to help out border agents, of course, because you know that's all part of the Trump brand again. Uh, $300 million in, uh, is being invested to recruit, hire, and train 500 new Border Patrol agents and 1,000 new ICE uh, agents. And there's going to be $2.6 billion for the wall. That's, that's how I want to spend $2.6 billion, right? Not on, on health care or education or anything. Let's build a giant wall because, you know, America first. We have to save America. Well, and funny you should mention education, Jesse, because it takes one of the biggest hits in this entire budget. Hmm. Right. The 2017 budget for education, federal education budget was 68.2 billion. It's going to be down to 59 billion for 2018. That's a 13 and a half percent decrease. Whereas things like defense get a 10.1 percent increase. You know, that's there's something inherently wrong with this. Was that has a song? Go? You know, I believe the children of the future. Uh, that's you have to focus on. Uh, I don't. It, it seems unpatriotic to some people if you say you know the defense, the military doesn't need any more money. But we have the we have the greatest military in the world, possibly the greatest military of all time. We don't need to put all this money. I mean, we're not. We've said this time and time again. We're not going to be uh, having ground wars like we used to back in the day. Uh, maybe we focus less on these wars that may be coming up and more on making sure people are educated in that. Uh, I will say presidents like this aren't elected in the future that want to cause more wars. Mm. Right. If we prevent war, it will cost us less money. And, hey, what do you know? You have more to spend in other places. Yeah. 
mean, the biggest part that we haven't mentioned for this budget is that people are just making fun of Mulvaney and of Trump because there's a, apparently a two trillion dollar math error. That's what people are saying. If the budget assumes uh, the budget assumes that the faster economic growth will help pay for Trump's huge tax cuts, but then it also says that the same growth will help balance the budget. So they consider that counting that two trillion dollars twice. Uh, Mick Mulvaney says, you know, you're nuts. We're not double counting it, but no one's really buying that, uh, especially. Republicans in Congress. I mean, hell, John McCain has said, along with other people, said this budget is dead on arrival. I mean, his actual quote was, President Trump's $603 billion defense budget request is inadequate to the challenge we face, legal under current law, and part of an overall budget proposal that is dead on arrival in Congress. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's going anywhere. So the question I have for you, Kevin, is why did they put out this budget if it was never going to pass? What are they, they can only lose, I feel here. Yeah, because President Trump attempts to rule by fiat and then has shown how the system of checks and balances actually works. I mean, see the travel ban, if you want an example. You know, he thinks that he can just hand something down from on high and then because he is the president, as if he was acting as the CEO of his corporation once again, that what he says goes. That's not how a democratic system of government works. So we'll see when this process actually goes through, but I, I think the budget that passes is going to look Literally nothing like this. I um, hope that it'll be much, much better. So, um, on to our good old friend Jared Kushner. You know, we've always said that in an administration of madmen, he may just be crazy, and so as as a result, we just kind of—I personally like him more just by the people who surround him. But uh, Jared Kushner might be screwed. Uh, I don't know if Daddy-in-law is going to throw him under the bus or not, but he's being investigated. Uh, the Washington Post last week reported that Kushner tried to establish a back-channel line of communications between the Trump transition team in Moscow back in December. Uh, this is back when he was meeting with Russian ambassador and, as we repeat, head spy of Russia, Sergei Kislyak. Uh, then the New York Times reported that the purpose of the back channel was to allow our good old friend Michael Flynn to communicate directly with Moscow about Syria and other issues. Uh, this was never set up, but that hardly seems a point right now. I mean, it's another situation where it's Russia, Trump administration, lots of lots of smoke. When are we going to accept there's probably a fire someplace? Yeah, this is not the hotline that was established between Kennedy and Khrushchev <laughs> right after the Cuban Missile Crisis. This is much more sinister. At the very least... It's bad optics. And again, they should know this by now. I mean, I don't understand how these people who can be so smart can't tell that, you know, in the midst of everything being going on with Russia and possible hacking stuff, maybe, just maybe, we don't uh, set this up. But, you know, they don't care. So people are saying Kushner should take a leave of absence. Uh, Donald Trump came out today or yesterday and, you know, basically said he stands by Jared Kushner. Help. National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster says he isn't concerned because, you know, this could be a to totally normal request. And, you know, as I said, yeah, it could. But I, you know, I, I don't know how many times we'd say, yeah, this could be okay. It just drives me nuts. Um, and I love the quote from Kushner's lawyer. It says, Mr. Kushner participated in thousands of calls in this, in this time period. He has no recollection of the calls as described. That's, you know, lying one-on-one. I have no recollection of the, the events in question, sir. It just does not seem like somebody who's innocent would say those kind of things. Well, you know, I don't know if this would help or hurt the situation. So many times, as we've talked before, Jared Kushner seems to be somewhat of a voice of reason in this administration. And if he goes down, who's there to maybe counter some of the more outlandish ideas of Trump? Ivanka would be the only person left, and you know, God, God help us, you know, Daddy, do no, no, honey, okay. I don't know exactly what to think of Ivanka. I mean, she's done some stupid stuff. She's done some stuff I actually like. I don't know. 
I don't know what power she actually has there and how much she actually differs from Donald. I don't know. Oh. It's it's yeah, it's it's just it hurts my insides when I think of you know, these are the people that we're relying on, people that we kind of kind of don't like you know, we only kind of don't like them as opposed to people we really don't like. And McMasterman, he's he's actually been getting uh, calls to resign just because people were worried about – you're hurting your credibility, man. He wrote a book on – I think it was Johnson in Vietnam and how you know, the, he misused power and it screwed Their up everything. election of duty. Yeah. yeah. And boom, you're seeing this happen right again. So it's pretty ironic that he's the guy there right now participating in a lot of this because we've, we've really praised McMaster as being the voice of reason, being you know the, the adult in a room of children before. And I, I don't know what to expect if he sticks around for a long time. Yeah, I hate to call him a sellout. I really do because, you know, I I've thought like you that he was one of the people that we could trust maybe of holding Donald Trump accountable to things. But, you know, he's, so far he seems to have been just a yes man and and I really hope that he can snap out of that. Yeah, do you do you want a guy that we kind of like being a yes man or do you want him replaced by someone else who will also be a yes man who uh, you know, doesn't have the same pedigree i i think uh, he can stick it out and hopefully be the voice although apparently trump finds him annoying and thinks he talks too much and all that stuff which is a very trumpian way to to address the situation and we keep trying to make the best out of a bad situation but i just want this (laughs) bad situation to go away yeah well i have to say that his trip to the middle east and to the vatican and a couple other places i'll say it wasn't as bad as it could have been that's that's the most praise i can give it so we went to saudi arabia didn't start, you know, a, a holy war or anything, so that's good. Then he uh, landed in Israel, and uh, he told a room full of of Israelis that, you know, I just got back from the Middle East, just got from the Middle East. Like, dude, there's actually a guy face palming in the crowd. I I know anybody can mistalk. I'm sure I misspeak all of the time, but come on, man. Yeah. Geography must not have been his strong suit as a boy, along with many many other things. Uh, by the way, back to H.R. McMaster, again, there's rumors that he's being kicked out or being on the, on the way out. So uh, Trump met with Netanyahu, uh, who is the, the president. Is he president or prime, prime minister? Prime minister. Yeah, 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 because uh, I always mix it because prime minister has all the power. The president's kind of like the queen of England, just kind of, you know, waves and says hi. But uh, Netanyahu uh, met with Trump, and Netanyahu brought his national security advisor, and uh, Trump made uh, McMaster wait outside the door. Which I don't know. He, he he demeaned a lot of his staff, I think, on this on this trip, which is just not a good look. Oh, he has to put them in their place. He reminds them he's the president. Yeah, I mean, hell, he went to visit the Pope, and Sean Spicer is apparently this, known throughout Washington D.C. as being this devout Catholic. You know, he wears the ash and ash Wednesday. It's everybody knows that he he loves the Pope. And he doesn't bring him to see the Pope. Instead, he brings like his uh, Dan Scavino, his, his uh, social media director. I mean, come on. That's just saying a big F you to Spicy, who is there taking the hits every single day for Trump and the crazy things he says. I feel bad for Spicy. I really do. Well, as Connecticut residents, though, we, we should feel happy that we were represented because his communication advisor, Hope Hicks, who's a Greenwich, Connecticut native, was in the room with Donald Trump and uh, Pope Francis. That's just really like New York City North. True. Is it, yeah, I, I, she's from there. Was she? Did you go to school there? I wonder. She went, I wonder. She went to Greenwich High, I believe. Oh, maybe so. I'll look her up. See what her deal is. Um, you know, no matter how it is, I'll take Connecticut, whether it's uh, Greenwich or whether it's up north by us. 
So some of the real nonsense started to happen, though, once he left uh, these these uh, handshaking meetings for the most part. Uh, he went and met with NATO or the uh, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. As we all know about NATO, uh, the most famous line that goes with them is that an attack against one is an attack against all. And Trump was the only leader there who basically would not publicly publicly commit to that. And if you won't commit to that, what the hell's the point? Especially when Russia's been acting up and going a little nutty, you want to have uh, the reassurance that the United States is going to stand by its commitments. And who the hell knows if we would at this point? Well, and the only time in the history of the organization which was created at the onset of the Cold War, the only time it was ever invoked, Article 5, the attack against one is attack against all, was after September 11, 2001, in defense of the United States. Mm -hmm. Do we not owe it to those other countries in Europe who are feeling the heat uh, from some places in the world now? You know, I, I think it's important for the president to look at what this organization is really meant to be before he does anything too rash. Trump would be the first person yelling at them for not doing their part, but not helping us out when we when he needs you know their help. Um, I mean, hell, he basically spent his time chastising the world leaders at NATO and saying, give us more money. Uh, you're not paying your fair share. I mean, Bush's director of national, national intelligence uh, was you know, like he, he's being an embarrassment. It's crazy. Um, I, and I love, by the way, when he met with uh, the new French president, uh, Emmanuel Macron, uh, he, he wouldn't give in to the Trump handshake. They yeah, kind the of grab like, and pull. Yeah, they were kind of gritting and burying and white-knuckling it, neither one giving any – any. And I, I think he has a new uh, bromance with Trudeau because they're both young guys. They both speak French. You know? um, and maybe these are two of the new young world leaders on the national stage. To, I think to keep Trudeau's wife's a little younger though. Uh, how young is she? No, I don't know, but Macron's wife is 64 years old. Was once his Whoa, teacher when really? he was in high school. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, I knew that actually. That's yeah, maybe the girls' night out. Yeah, they don't have anything to to talk about. It's that's weird. One is a one's a baby boomer and one's a millennial. It seems maybe I don't know. Who are we to judge? Yeah, who who am I to judge? You know, love is love. That's all that matters. So after NATO, he then met with uh, the G, you know, the G7 meeting group of seven. And uh, to people who don't know, G7 is a group consisting of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, UK, US. And then we have some UK, uh, actually some EU uh, countries represented there as well. Uh, so Trump, again, is the only leader not to commit to the Paris Agreement, which is a UN agreement dealing with greenhouse emissions, the environment, things like that. And as we've seen with the Trump administration uh, from the very beginning, they don't seem to care about the environment. Uh, they don't think things like like global warming or, or climate change are really that big of a deal. And now the whole world does it, too. And it's a little embarrassing to me. Yeah. And Brandon Carter over at The Hill reported uh, recently that Trump is privately saying he will leave the Paris Climate Change Agreement. You know, hey, I'm no scientist, but I can tell that the climate is changing. You see it. You feel it. But, you know, why should we be a part of that Paris Agreement? No, no, no. Because, you know, United States is going to do what United States is going to do because we're cowboys and that's how we do everything. Uh, but did you see the video of when uh, – who was the president he pushed out of the way uh, when he wanted to kind of get through and then he like, fixed his, his suit like he's a, a badass? It's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I, off the top of my head, I can't recall which one that was, but certainly it's uh, just, you know, it's, 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 a, so it's a classic classic Trump. Yeah, yeah. So and then there was actually some talk that Trump wasn't paying attention uh, when the Italian prime minister was speaking. If you look, everybody there is wearing headsets, headphones, you know, not unlike what we're wearing right now. Uh, while we record this, and Trump just looking very and making a very Trump face, he's just kind of staring off and at the desk. 
and you can't see any headphones, and people are, and people are like, what's going on? He's not listening. It's ridiculous. And uh, you know, Spicer's go out, you know, no, he's wearing an earpiece just like everybody else. So when everybody else is wearing headphones, he's like wearing my grandfather's hearing aid. It, it doesn't make much sense to me uh, that they would make a special hearing plug just for him. I think he just didn't give a crap and wasn't paying attention. What's he thinking about when he stares off into space like that? What goes through Trump's mind? I think he's thinking, I'd rather be golfing right now. Why did I run for president? This is horrible. I could be at home grabbing, you know what? Mm. Maybe not. You know, I don't, I don't want to be overly negative just for the sake of being negative. But speaking of golf, uh, all of the G7 leaders walked 700 yards for a photo op, and Trump got into a golf cart and was late and followed behind because, you know, God forbid. I mean, that's that's what happens when your main diet consists of McDonald's and KFC. Uh, well, and it's, he's not in the best shape, and also he has to do what Trump's going to do on his own. See, now Donald Trump has some really unorthodox views about health and exercise. According to CNN editor-at-large Chris Saliza, uh, who quoted a May 8th New Yorker article by Evan Osnos, Trump, and I quote, Trump argues that exercise is misguided, that a person is like a battery and is born with a finite amount of energy, which exercise depletes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Right. He believes that standing in front of a crowd for an hour is exercise. And maybe that's why he still has rallies. These are really just, you know, workouts for him. Yeah, you know, uh, he, he having to uh, take in all of the visuals really work out his eyes. And by the way, Chris, uh, who you just quoted, he, it's funny, he gets a lot of crap from a lot of people. I like Chris. I think his tw- tweets are pretty funny. Um, I, I dig them. So Trump, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if again I don't want to I I could do a, a few more push up myself, but it's interesting to see if he faces any health problems you know, as this moves on because people have noticed in the past couple of, of days and weeks that he has definitely put on some weight since he became president. So uh, who knows if that'll actually affect uh, how he works or or his health at all? Yeah. Uh, and, and the last thing to come out of the uh, G7 meeting, which would be minor if it wasn't the Trump administration, at least in my view, is that uh, they, they put a picture up there of all the leaders' spouses. You have like Melania there on the uh, White House's social media, and it names everybody except for the one person who is the uh, the husband of the Prime Minister of Luxembourg. He's the only current um, openly gay uh, head of state. And his name wasn't there. And it was pointed out almost immediately that this happened. Like People were like, what the hell? Why are you leaving this guy's name out there? And it took them 10 hours to fix it. I mean, maybe Dan Savino was still reading from his meeting with the Pope or something. But it seems that with all of the nonsense they put up with, maybe you try to uh, you know keep that at, at a minimum if possible and not do something as ridiculous as leaving that off. So to give credit where it is due, the gentleman's name is actually Gauthier Destinay, and he is the – the husband of the prime minister of Luxembourg. So uh, if nobody else wants to give him <laughs> the credit where it's due, then we should at the very least. Before we go any further, why don't you guys take a listen to another member of the ACE podcast network. Thank you for seeing me today, doctor. Of course. I see you're having some issues. Yeah, it all started when I ran out of podcast to listen to. I felt anxious, alone, and even scared. It happens all too often podcast deficiency disorder it can be a serious struggle with no answer in sight until now introducing nerdy words from geek productions through intense peer review studies the nerdy words team have developed the perfect formula to finally defeat all symptoms of pdd with just one episode a week your feelings of helplessness through lack of podcast satisfaction will be a thing of the past with heavy doses of off the cuff barely put together thoughts about all things nerdy and beyond your pdd will melt away 
Side effects include frustration at hosts' inability to accurately quote facts, annoyance at their often bitchy attitudes, and inability to understand them through their drunken slurs every five episodes. Do not listen if you are nursing pregnant or may become pregnant. Comics, movies, anime, video games, and much, much more with nerdy words. Fridays on acepodcastnetwork.com. And one of the last things I have to talk about today, Kevin, and there's not really much to talk about right now other than the fact that maybe we should just not talk about because we don't know what we're talking about, is the FBI director's job. Trump keeps saying he wants to get take this, this taken care of very quickly, and we mentioned, I think, 12 people who were vying for this job a few weeks ago, and the next week came in that, no, forget them. Joe Lieberman, our former senator from Connecticut, was the lead uh, candidate, and now he's out of there. I don't know who the hell's going to get this. I think we'll probably just wake up one morning and Trump has tweeted at 7 o'clock in the morning Eastern time that here's who's going to give it. And maybe somebody crazy and maybe somebody good. We won't know till we hear it. It's a crapshoot. That's pretty much what you can say about anything in the Trump administration, I think. What's going to happen? Well, it's a crapshoot. There's a magic eight ball somewhere in that White House that he shakes. And what should I do today? Indeed. All right, Kevin. You got us uh, Kevin's Corner? I sure do, Jesse. Today, actually, my thoughts are twofold. One, on this Memorial Day, I remember those who paid the ultimate price in defense of the ideals of an imperfect, but nevertheless great, nation. And also, this week, I had the opportunity to host a Holocaust survivor, Marion Blumenthal Lazan, at the school where I teach. She gave an absolutely riveting talk to our students about the perils she faced as a young girl living through such unimaginable horrors in the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp. In the same week, I was also lucky enough to take a cruise around New York City, which brought me face to face with the Statue of Liberty. As I took in the majestic beauty of this symbol of American prosperity and acceptance, I could not help but think of what Mrs. Lazan had spoken about regarding the willingness of America and Americans to accept her and her family upon their arrival after the war and her liberation. Seeing Lady Liberty, torch held high overhead, lighting the way towards New York Harbor and our great nation beyond, gave me hope that at best, regardless of politics and partisanship, we still represent freedom and opportunity to all of those oppressed peoples around the world who seek it. Leaders come and go, but our nation remains the same. That is my America. Always has been, always will be. Well, that was just wonderful, Kevin. And, you know, I mean something to me that I I knew some survivors of the Holocaust as well, and my family came through Ellis Island, so that side of the the Statue of Liberty meant something to my my great-grandfather when he came in in the early 1900s. Also, you promised to take me and some other people on that same cruise, so I hope to be able to describe the exact same scenario that you just did, too. Yeah, when I wasn't waxing poetic, I was enjoying myself out on the dance floor of this cruise ship. Open bar, which is fantastic. <laughs> so. All right, everybody, thanks again for sticking with us. I know it was a longer wait than normal due to my being uh, in Minnesota for work, so I really appreciate you guys sticking with us. By the way, I made a new friend on on the cab ride home uh, to the airport. He was, he was Somali, and uh, we talked a lot about politics. I gave him our card, so if you're listening here, man, thanks a lot to my Somali Lyft driver. I forget your name. <laughs> uh, and to all of our wonderful listeners, again, thank you for listening. And I uh, we'll hope you're here for the next episode. Until then, go to our website at www.grabthembythepod.com. And remember that only you can prevent forest fires. Now, only you can make a difference. And we can all make a difference. And uh, we hope together we keep uh, doing this podcast and making sure that this country is as great as possible. So thank you, everyone. And thank you, Kevin. Later. Later.